0: Into our devotion, I want you to join me and welcome uh, someone I have the utmost respect for as she comes to bring forth the devotion. Would you please welcome Sister Melody. Good evening. That was scary. Good evening. Good evening. Can you hear me? Good evening. Are we good? Hello? Okay, there you are. All right. I want to pray real quickly. Father, I submit myself into your hands. Use me as a vessel of honor unto you, O Lord. Let your word flow freely. Cover where I have left uncovered, Lord, and fill in the gaps. And I pray that this word would not bring condemnation to this body, but rather it would draw us to a place of conviction and it would motivate us to pray and to seek your face. And Lord, when I walk off the stage, I will take no credit and I will take no blame because I am simply a servant girl who is here to do what you have told me to do. And I will give you all the glory and the honor in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. All right. I am one of those people who write in their Bibles. When I'm reading my Bible, I write comments and I write questions. And on page 616 of my daily Bible, which I have used for the past several years, I have drawn a line from verse 1 of a chapter down to verse 20. And along that line, I wrote from this, from verse 1 to verse 20 amazing and that chapter is Acts chapter 9 and tonight I want to talk about how does somebody go from verse 1 to verse 20 how do you go from this to this but first I want to give a little bit of background so I want to start in Acts chapter 6 it was in the early days of the church and the gospel of Jesus was being preached everywhere by the believers and the church was growing rapidly And in that time, there was a man named Stephen. And Scripture says that Stephen was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And Stephen was performing miracles, signs, and wonders among the people. And there were religious leaders who did not like what Stephen was doing. And so they came to debate with Stephen one day. And Scripture tells us that they could not stand against Stephen's wisdom, nor the spirit that he spoke with. And that angered them. And so they convinced some men to lie about Stephen. And these false accusers went around saying, We have heard Stephen blaspheme Moses. We've even heard him blaspheme God. And this got the religious teachers and elders stirred up. And so they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. And the false witnesses stood there that day and they said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and the law of Moses. He has said that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and he will change the customs that Moses handed down to us. The high priest looked at Stephen and he said, Stephen, are these accusations true? And Stephen responded by simply giving them facts and truths from their own history. And then the Jewish leaders, these men who had to have at least some level of intelligence, these men who were people of influence, they knew the law, they knew about God, but when they were presented with undisputable facts and with truth, they didn't come to a place of sound reasoning, but instead, They were so infuriated at Stephen's response. It says that they shook their fist at him in rage. And instead of retaliating, Stephen simply looked up into the heavens and he said, I see the heavens open and I see the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And at that they became even more enraged so enraged that they put their hands over their ears and they began shouting. And they rushed at Stephen, they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And it says that the accusers took off their coats and laid them down at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they continued to stone Stephen until he died. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping across the church in Jerusalem. The believers were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And this young man named Saul, who was a religious leader himself, did not participate in the murder of Stephen But that day, but he was there. And he had completely agreed with it. And this man named Saul was now going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging both men and women out of the houses to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered from one place to another because of the persecution, they did not repay evil with evil. They didn't waste time retaliating, but those believers simply continued to preach the good news of Jesus everywhere they went. The scattering of those believers simply caused the gospel to be spread to even more regions. When Peter and John heard that the gospel was being preached in Samaria and that souls were being saved there, they went. And they laid hands on the believers and the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. And now it brings us to Acts chapter 9. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 9 says, Meanwhile, and I'm going to insert here. Meanwhile, while the church was growing rapidly, while the gospel of Jesus was spreading more than ever before, While believers were being filled with the Holy Spirit, meanwhile Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So eager was he that he went to the high priest and requested letters addressed to the synagogue in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any believers that he found there. He wanted to bring the believers, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. He wanted to bring them back to Jerusalem in bondage to the law. But on his way to Damascus to round up the believers, a light from heaven shined down around him and he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying, Saul... Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, Who are you, Lord? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told there what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless because they heard the voice, but they didn't see anyone. So Saul picked himself up off the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he was blind, and his companions had to lead him to Damascus by the hand. Saul remained in Damascus for three days, blind. He did not eat or drink. And verse 10 of chapter 9 says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, Ananias replied. And I just have to wonder if, if Ananias had known what God was about to say, would he have responded so quickly? But the Lord said, Ananias, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas, and when you get there, Ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Ananias could hardly believe his ears. This is my version of his response. But Lord, Saul, are you sure, Lord, Saul? Because I have heard about the terrible things that this Saul has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is here in Damascus, authorized by the leading priests to arrest everybody calls on, who calls on your name. And this is my favorite part. But the Lord said, Go. Saul is a chosen vessel to take my message to the Gentiles, to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. He said, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And so Ananias went and he found Saul. And he laid his hands on him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly something like scales fell off Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. And then he got up and he was baptized. And afterwards he ate some food and he regained his strength. And Saul stayed with the believers, the same believers that he came to arrest. He stayed with them in Damascus for a few days. And in verse 20, it says, And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. And so, my question is, how did Saul go from verse 1, when he was uttering threats with every breath, to verse 20 when he was preaching the good news of Jesus and saying he is indeed the Son of God. Well, the obvious answer would be he had an encounter with God on the road. And that is true, he did. But what I know about God is that God is always doing his job. He is always drawing people to him. Always. Always. I love the line in uh, the song that Miranda sang a while ago, When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. When Saul was fighting against God with every fiber of his being, God's love was still fighting to bring Saul to himself. He was fighting to bring him to a place of salvation. As evil as Saul was, when God looked at Saul, he saw a chosen vessel, a vessel created in his very image, a vessel created to be the carrier of the good news of Jesus to the Gentiles, to the kings, and to the people of Israel. When God looked at Saul, he looked at him as though he was just as pure as when he was being formed in his mother's womb. When God looked at Saul, he saw everything that had gone, taken place in Saul's life that had brought him to the place where he was. His love was always fighting to bring Saul back to him. And God is still the very same today. He sees every evil thing that people do. He sees every hideous crime that people commit. He sees the hurt and the destruction that it causes. But when he looks at those people, he sees that they were created in his image that they too were created to be carriers of the good news of Jesus to their world, to their realm of influence. He sees the things that took place in their lives that brought them to the place where they are. And His love is fighting to draw them back to Him. God is always doing His part, but He also always uses people. And in Acts chapter 9, right in the middle of verse 1 and verse 20 is verse 10. And verse 10 says, There was a believer. There was a believer who was well aware of the evil that Saul had done. But when God said, Go. When God said, Pray. He obeyed. There are people in our world who do evil things. There are people in our world who commit hideous crimes. There are people in our world who do things that bring great pain and destruction to others. Our nation is in an intense battle of good and evil. And we recently watched a scene play out in our own government that was very similar to the story of Stephen, where false accusations were made, but when the accusers were presented with facts and with truths, they didn't come to a place of sound reasoning, but they became enraged and even more determined to stand against everything that is righteous. While we are aware of the evil that people do, we are not called to pray, P R E Y, on their sins and their failures. We should never be found gathered around someone's sins. We should never be. Guilty of flocking around someone's failures. We are not vultures, but we are believers and we are called to pray. P-R-A-Y. We are called to pray that those people will respond to God's love that is fighting for them. We're called to pray that their spiritual blindness will be removed. That the scales will fall off their eyes and they will see and receive the good news of Jesus. And sometimes we're called to be the one to go. Sometimes God has drawn them and brought them into a place of surrender like Saul was when God said, Go, Ananias, because he is praying to me right now. He calls us to pray, and he calls us to go, even to the most evil people, because they too were created in his image, They are chosen vessels unto God, and they were created to be carriers of the good news of Jesus. It is in their best interest for them to be saved. It is in the best interest of those people's families that they get saved. It's in the best interest of all of the people in their world, in their realm of influence, that those people get saved. Every Monday night, there's about 65 people who meet here for Christ's Way Recovery that is led by Dan and Cassie King. And if you had seen Dan and Cassie King just a few years ago, now they weren't evil people. But if you had seen them just a few years ago, you might have thought they were the least likely people to be saved. And they might have been the least likely people to have preached the good news of Jesus. But while Dan and Cassie King were resisting God, his love was fighting to pull them to him and he brought them to a place of surrender. And there was a believer who preached the good news of Jesus and spoke life to them. It was in the best interest of Dan and Cassie King and their family. It was in the best interest of those 65 people for Dan and Cassie King to be saved and delivered from the bondages of addiction. I'm going to sit down on the steps for just a minute. Mm-hmm. I'll be fine. It was in the best interest of those people, of those 65 people who come here every Monday night. Let Dan and Cassie be saved and be delivered from the bondages of addiction because now they too preach the good news of Jesus to those people. And they give them hope of deliverance. Let me get my notebook. No, I got it. Thank you, though. I've always wanted to preach sitting down. Not really. In chapter 9, in the middle of the evil and the salvation, there was a believer who simply obeyed. And we all know or we know of people who do evil things. And what if we were the believer that God wanted to use to be in the middle of the evil and the salvation? What if we were the one that he wanted to use in in verse 10, but we were too busy focusing on the evil? There is a woman in our government, I'm not saying her name because you all know who I'm talking about, but there's a woman in our government who appears to be evil. And one day, it's been some, quite some time ago, but in the course of a conversation I made the statement, she's an evil woman, and immediately the Holy Spirit convicted me. And I, I do not say that anymore. But what I say is she needs Jesus. Amen. And I pray for her. Amen. I pray that she gets saved. Amen. I pray that she has an encounter with God. Come on, yes. I pray that her eyes, her sight is changed and she sees the truth. Amen. Because what if she were to get saved? and become a carrier of the good news of Jesus. She is a woman of great influence. It is in the best interest of all of those people who follow her lead that she gets saved. It's in the best interest of our president. It's in the best interest of our government. It is in the best interest of everyone in her world and her realm of influence that she gets saved. And one day it occurred to me, what if no one else in her life is praying for her? I have no idea how, what her life is, is like. I don't have no idea about her family. I have no idea if, if anybody that she is connected to anywhere knows Jesus. But what if? What if nobody else is praying for her? And it isn't likely that the Lord will ever wake me up and say, go see her, but I can pray. And one of the things that I pray is that God will position another believer who can be in the right place at the right time. And when she is brought to that place of surrender by the love of Jesus, they will be there and they will be the one to go. We all know, or we know of, people who have done evil things, committed hideous crimes, or people who are just so far gone, it seems like it's impossible for them to be saved. And tonight, I want you to make a list, a list of people who seem to be the most unlikely people To get saved, you can write it on paper, you can put it in your phone. If your memory is still great, you can make a mental list. But I want you to pray for those people tonight. And if the Lord leads you to pray for them beyond tonight, that's between you and the Lord. But I want you to pray for those people specifically tonight. And I want you to offer yourself up to be the believer. Who, will, who is obedient and will be the one who stands between evil and the victory and the surrender. And so if you will, find a place to pray. Thank you.